You know, it always scares me as a pastor when I look back at the sound booth and they're intently looking at the computer. Everything Everything okay, guys? Yeah, Yeah, that's so okay. (laughs) They'll get it. Let's pray, Father. We are in the midst of life where things things happen. happen. We don't don't plan plan for respect. I pray pray that we be journey through Joe. When we don't understand. In your name we pray. Amen. It was 2007. A man by the name of Jim O'Neill was flying his plane from Glasgow, Scotland, I thought at first that he had been blinded by the sun, but he soon realized that it was something much more serious. He had a stroke. Gave you Flying blind. Jim groped around the cockpit until he found the radio. And then he sent out a mayday call. And immediately, a man by the name of Paul Gerard of the Royal Air Force got in his plane and went up into the air and found O'Neill. He began talking to the blind pilot. Keep coming down. Take a gentle right turn, not big correction, small. Come back to the left. Go right. Gerard humbled, or humbled, hovered, within 500 feet, guiding the blind pilot to the nearest runway. O'Neill would have to land the plane flying blind. Now, I think we've all been there. We've had things that happened in life that we weren't planning for, that struck us out of the blue. A sickness, divorce, paper, it didn't have to be a stroke or anything like that. Could be you went to the doctor because you had a body ache, found out you had cancer. I remember one couple. They had big plans for their retirement. And on the first night of retirement after his party, they took off on their first trip. Stopped in a hotel room in Texarkana. And he died that night in that hotel room. See, that's how it happens. Out of the blue. Unexpected. We're struck not midair, but mid-life. Mid-career, mid-semester, losing any sight of a possible landing strip, we've all issued our own fair share of mayday calls, mayday prayers. We all know what it means in life to find yourself flying blind. So does Job. Job. 
book of Job, I don't know if you know this, is considered one of the great masterpieces of human literature. Not just in the Bible, not just by Christians. And we're going to this land, we're going to dig into it. We're going to look at Job's central message. We're going to look at its supporting truths. Today we begin with the portion that Ebenezer read from Job chapter 1. We're going to learn the skill today of flying blind. Now, there are times in life when you know the reason something bad has happened to you. If I run a red light in front of a policeman and he pulls me over and gives me a ticket for $275, I know why that happened. I broke the law. But there are times when we don't know the why. Job was like that. Job's suffering was undeserved and unwarranted. The Bible itself tells us that. The first two chapters, there's a sentence said about Job that's repeated three times. It tells us Job was blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Is that three times? It doesn't mean he was without sin, but it means he was a godly man. He, he was, was an innocent sufferer. He didn't deserve the hell he was about to endure. At least not from a human point of view. Well, how did this happen? Well, God does something for us in Job in this first chapter that is amazing. He invites us into his throne room with all the sons of God come before him and Satan also was there. And he gives us a glimpse behind the curtain into the invisible world of the Spirit. And what we see there is almost kind of a wager between God and Satan. Now you got to know the Satan means the accuser. And what you have here is a, is a being. Satan is like a vindictive lawyer, a corrupt policeman with an obsession to frame the innocent. He is on the prowl looking for someone to drag before the judgment seat of God, someone to condemn. And God points one out. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Now, I don't know if that... that troubles you, but if you think about it, it's sort of like if, if a jewelry store owner had a thief come into the, into the jewelry store, he said, hey, I, you want to see my most valuable diamond? Come on over here and look. He points Job out. Thanks a lot, God. Well, that's when Satan asks the quick key question of the book. Does Job fear God for nothing? See, Satan believes every man has his price. He believes Satan was good to God, or Job was good to God because God was good to him. 
They didn't love God so much that he loved the good gifts. And if God would just take away the gifts, then Job would curse him to his face. The Lord then said to Satan, Very well. Then everything he has in your, is in your hands. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Job is about to become ground zero as Satan gets ready to launch his attacks. Now, I want you to notice something. We get to see that conversation. Job did not. When all hell breaks loose in his life, he doesn't know what hit him. He's not expecting it. He's not looking for it. For the next 30-some chapters, Job, in increasing in tendency, cries out, Where are you, God? Why? Job is forced to learn the art of flying blind. And believe it or not, all this points us to Jesus. Because Jesus is like Job. We heard it in today's gospel. First, the Spirit. We see in, in today's gospel, we're given a glimpse behind the scene. First, it says the Spirit led Jesus out to be tempted by the devil. God sent him out there for this. And then it says at the end, it says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left himself until an opportune time. The devil's not done yet. Wow. Jesus, like Job, is a blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, only it's different. Job was still a sinner. Jesus is not. Jesus is the ultimate innocent sufferer like no other. Jesus didn't earn. He didn't deserve his human hell. How do you know something? With, with Job, God did not Allow Satan to take Job's life. With Jesus, God allows him to throw all his weapons at Jesus. If Job found himself wearing sackcloth and sitting on a pile of ashes, Jesus finds himself stripped naked, nailed to a cross to die on a garbage dump called Golgotha. Now, I want you to think about what that means for you and me when we find ourselves in those situations. When we find ourselves not knowing why. When we find ourselves flying blind. When we find ourselves asking, where are you, God? Jesus answers, I'm here on the cross, suffering with you. Suffering for you. I'm here. Bleeding for the sins of the world. Bleeding for your sins. I feel your pain in my own body. I will always be here even when you can't see me. And together, he says, we will long for the new Jerusalem. For that day when I will wipe every tear from your eyes. For that day when 
at that time when there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things will have passed away. Do you want to know how unbelievable suffering like Job's can be transformed into infinite good than this Lent journey from the cross to the empty tomb? Because there at the empty tomb you will find your living Savior, crucified and yet risen again, conqueror over sin and death. You will find him there holding out his nail-scarred living hands to you, offering to you the same victory over death, the victory of life everlasting. There at that empty tomb, he will give to you the courage and faith that says, even when you're flying blind, I know that my Redeemer lives. On that day in 2007, on his first try, O'Neill hit the runway and bounced back up. Paul Gerard continued to speak calmly to him. Comfort, hope. Finally, on the eighth try, the pilot was able, the blind pilot was able to make a near perfect landing. Folks, when we find ourselves in the midst of these situations, just like Job, we have all sorts of voices speaking to us, don't we? Saying things like, you shouldn't feel that way. Quit worrying. What are you so worried about? Don't worry about what Putin's doing. When we find ourselves flying blind, we have friends that say, you should read this book, that'll help you. At one point or another, we even add our own voice to it. We throw up our hands and say, what's the use? When we listen to the wrong voices, we crash and burn. At these moments, it's time to listen to the only voice that really matters. Listening to the voice of Jesus is the art of flying blind. He's the only voice that we can trust in the midst of life's unexpected tragedies. His is the only voice to trust when we can't see and don't understand why things are falling apart. Jesus speaks with tenderness of love. Not all, he doesn't tell us why. He tells us how. Turn left. Now come back to the right. Go down. A little bit to the right. Today he speaks those kinds of words to you at his table. He puts bread to your mouth and he says, take, eat. This is my body given for you. He puts the cup to your lips and he says, take, drink. Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood in the covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. This is why you can trust me even when you can't see why. This is how much I love you. This is why you can count on me. This is how you can know I will get you through this. With his voice guiding us, we land safely in his loving arms. Today and forever. Amen? And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.